In January 2020, a 49-year-old woman named Kathy Boone passed away while staying at a warming shelter in Astoria, Oregon. The local NBC affiliate said that she died homeless in the midst of struggles with substance abuse and mental health. Perhaps not an uncommon story. Yet, after her death, it transpired that Boone had $888,407 of unclaimed money being held for her by the state. After her mother's passing in 2016, representatives for her mum's estate tried unsuccessfully to locate Boone. Newspaper ads went unclaimed and a private investigator couldn't find her. And so the money was transferred to the Department of State Lands. You know, it's estimated that there is over $58 billion of unclaimed cash and benefits in the U.S., along with almost $50 billion of unclaimed property. That means that there's more than $100 billion of unclaimed inheritance. Uh, to put that in perspective, that's the same as the market value of Airbnb, or it's enough money to buy $400 average-priced homes, or it's almost 400 times the net worth of Justin Bieber. (laughs) And until someone can stake a rightful claim, that money and that land just sits there. And for people like Kathy Boone, it's, it's not clear whether they even know whether this money is theirs, let alone how to gain access to it. And this is the case as you can tell from those numbers, for many, many people. But what if I told you that the same way that this applies to people financially also applies to most, if not all of us, spiritually? We all have a portion of our spiritual inheritance that lies unclaimed. Some of us don't even know it exists. Others of us don't know how to gain access to it. Well, I believe that is what the Bible teaches. And I hope today to show you the truth of that and help you to see that through the Spirit of Christ, we have access to more than we even realize. My name's Ellis. I'm one of the pastors here at Chapel Hill. I'm really glad you're joining us, whether you're online or you're here in person. We're continuing our study in the Old Testament book of Joshua. We're entering the latter section of this book. We're calling this final series, Already Not Yet. We're going to explore a concept that's right at the heart of our faith. The idea that the inheritance that we have in Jesus is both already and not yet. As I said a couple of weeks ago, we live in the in-between times. The decisive battle has been won at the cross, but the war is not yet over. And as this is true for us spiritually, so this was also true physically for the people of God living over 3,200 years ago. That's the story of the book of Joshua. It's the story of God's people, Israel, entering into the land that God had promised them and taking possession of it. This land was their inheritance in the Lord. And God fought many battles on their behalf to win them that land. But not all the land had been claimed by the people, as we will see today. 
Now, last week I said the middle chapters of Joshua can kind of be a drag. They read like an atlas without any drawings. It's fine if you're familiar with the place names, but tedious if you aren't. But at the end of the last few chapters of this middle section are little comments that give us uh, an insight into what was going on in the lives of the people as they were claiming their inheritance. And I believe it shows us that there were two types of people in Israel as it pertains to their inheritance. There was, there was a group of people who hadn't yet claimed their inheritance, and then there was a group of people that had only partially claimed their inheritance. I want to look at these two groups of people today. So first, those who hadn't claimed their inheritance yet. In Joshua chapter 18, we read about a a gathering of the people of Israel that takes place after all these major battles have been fought. The, The people of Israel had staked their claim in a dramatic way on the land of Canaan. And and yes, there were still some battles remaining, but those battles in comparison to the early ones, they were probably going to be pretty easy and might even result in, in their enemies just going, we surrender, we've heard what you did at Jericho, we heard what you did at Ai, we give up, take the land. And that is when we read this, Joshua 18 verse two, there remained among the people of Israel seven tribes whose inheritance had not yet been apportioned. So Joshua said to the people of Israel, how long will you put off going in to take possession of the land which the Lord, the God of your fathers, has given you? Just like the many people we talked about earlier who have unclaimed inheritance in the U.S., Seven out of the 12 tribes of Israel at this point had unclaimed inheritance in the land of Canaan. God had given them this land and yet they had put off going in to take possession of it. They had not yet claimed their inheritance. And today, listening to this message, there will likely be some people in the same spiritual situation. People who attend church, whether you're attending online or you're here in person. People who might even call themselves a Christian, but have not taken possession of what has been given to them in Christ. You know, in and through the death of Jesus, we've been given a restored relationship to God. The relationship we had with God was originally broken by sin, but because Jesus took that sin upon himself and he bore our punishment, there is no longer anything separating us from God. And there are some people here who who are listening to this who have not yet applied that work of Jesus to their life personally. I recall a conversation with my grandmother a few years ago. It was shortly after her son, that's my father, had passed away. My sister and I took a trip to go see her and we we took her out to a cafe. And while we were there, uh, we entered into a a spiritual conversation with her. I I knew she'd attended church, but in in light of my dad's death, I I wanted to dig more into what, what were her beliefs? Where was she at in her faith. Now, sadly, my grandmother struggles with hearing. Uh, So my sister was on the other side of the table and and she really couldn't hear my sister in this cafe. I was sitting next to her though, so I could talk into her ear. So I basically led this conversation and and so I asked her about what she believed. I found out she'd attended church throughout her life. She would call herself a Christian, but at the same time, she was into tarot cards and and psychic readings and reading the tea leaves. uh, But as we continued to discuss, I had this opportunity 
opportunity to share with her that, that me and my sister know for sure where my dad is because he, he has faith in Jesus. And that you too, I said to my grandmother, can know for sure where you will go when you die if you have faith in Jesus. And at this point, my sister said from across the table, would you like us to pray for you to know Jesus right now? My grandmother said, what? Remember, she can't hear. So my sister raised her voice just a step. Would you like us to pray for you to know Jesus right now? My grandmother said, what? So my sister, now practically shouting, the whole cafe looking at us, says, would you like us to pray for you to know Jesus right now? My grandmother looked at us, and there was this kind of look of sorrow in her eyes. I'll never forget it. And she shook her head. You know, there are many people like my grandmother, people who've gone to church for years, people who may even call themselves a Christian, may do good deeds, could even explain the basic beliefs of Christianity, but have never applied the work of Jesus to their life never taken possession of the inheritance of new life that is theirs in Christ. And I wonder if there's anyone listening today for whom that is the case. If that's you, in a few minutes, we're going to give you the opportunity to take possession of that inheritance that's yours in Jesus. And there are countless people here who will tell you that is the best decision that they have ever made. It's an inheritance that's beyond your wildest dreams. It's life, life to the full, as Jesus says. And it's yours in and through Jesus Christ. So the first group of people we read about in these chapters in Joshua is those who didn't claim their inheritance. They hadn't yet claimed their inheritance. But there's a second group. And I think this group is going to apply to most of the rest of us. And those are the people who only partially claimed their inheritance. Now, part of claiming the promised land was was driving out the original inhabitants. And in the central chapters of the book of Joshua, we read of three instances where the tribes of Israel only partially drove out the original inhabitants. Now, if, if you feel a little bit uncomfortable about this language of driving out the original inhabitants, I would totally understand that. And I'd direct you, Pastor Gunner did a video blog a few weeks ago on our YouTube channel about genocide. Go, go read that. Uh, go listen to that even. And, uh, and hopefully that'll help you if you are struggling with that area. But we have these three instances where tribes of Israel didn't fully drive out the original inhabitants. The first of those that we read about was the tribe of Judah. And this is in Joshua 15, 63. It says, but the Jebusites, the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the people of Judah could not drive out. So the Jebusites dwell with the people of Judah at Jerusalem to this day. The people of Judah only took partial possession of their inheritance. They took possession of the city but they didn't drive out all the inhabitants. And these previous occupants of the city continued to live with them. And it caused a lot of angst and strife 
over the years because they'd not fully taken the inheritance the Lord had for them. And we see this happen two more times, the next two chapters. Chapter 16, verse 10, speaking about the tribe of Ephraim this time. However, they did not drive out the Canaanites who live in Gaza. So the Canaanites have lived in the midst of Ephraim to this day. And again, we read chapter 17, the tribe of Manasseh. Yet the people of Manasseh could not take possession of those cities, but the Canaanites persisted in dwelling in that land. Three instances in three consecutive chapters of three tribes failing to fully claim their inheritance. They only claimed part of it. They neglected to fully possess all that the Lord longed to give to them. And I wonder if there's a spiritual application to most, if not all of us, who are listening to this message today. I wonder if we too have only partially claimed our inheritance in the Lord. For the people of Israel and their descendants, they they believed that that a day would come, usually referred to as the, the day of the Lord, when God would come and he would restore all the, all the things that were wrong on earth and he would reign in, in peace and justice. It's, it's like they believed they would go along in time and then there would be this day when they would fully step into their inheritance, inherit all that was spiritually theirs. And Jesus did come and he did right many wrongs on earth. He did heal many sick people. But then he ascended again into heaven He left his disciples to carry on this work of ushering in the reign of God onto earth. And and Jesus promised that one day he would come again and he he would fully expand the reign of God on earth. He would fully restore all things to himself. But until that day, he was leaving his disciples with a mission to co labor with him in that restoration process. And this was a puzzle to the disciples. They 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 thought this was gonna happen but they weren't seeing this step into everything that they expected. We read about that in Acts chapter one. They say to Jesus right before he ascends into heaven, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? They expected this this kind of one-time jump into the fullness of their inheritance. But what happened instead was this kind of two-step process. Jesus came the first time to, to break the power of sin and death on earth. And he will come again to restore peace and justice. And as a result, we live in this in-between time, so to speak, where the spiritual inheritance that we have is, is both already and it's not yet. We have access to some, but not all of our inheritance. And what we do have access to, the New Testament calls a down payment or a guarantee. This is what Ephesians chapter one says. It says, in him, you also were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee or the down payment of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it. The Holy Spirit is the, is the now part of our inheritance. The Holy Spirit is the down payment on our inheritance. And all Christians would agree that this is a tremendous down payment, that the Holy Spirit applies the the work of redemption won for us by Jesus. 
that the Holy Spirit gives us new life in Christ. The Holy Spirit convicts us of sin, that he, he moves us to repentance and faith and ultimately confirms our adoption as sons and daughters of God and, and that the, the Holy Spirit will keep us in that salvation until that final day of the Lord. In, in short, all Christians believe that the Holy Spirit works to apply the salvation of God to our lives. But there is some debate amongst Christians as to how much more of our inheritance the Holy Spirit gives us access to. Now, there are some Christians, some churches who, who believe the down payment of the Holy Spirit is like 95% down payment on our inheritance. We have almost everything, heaven on earth. And then there are others who, who maybe think we just have the bare minimum. Maybe just that standard 10% that you put down on something. Now, the truth is we don't know how much the down payment is. But I have a hunch that for a church full of Presbyterians who are known as the frozen chosen, that the amount that we have access to might well be more than what we think. In other words, I believe that for many, if not all of us, we have only partially claimed the inheritance we have access to. And we actually, I think, see this later in the book of Ephesians, where Paul writes, be filled with the Spirit, Ephesians 5.18. Now that verb to be filled, it's in the present continuous tense here. And you all know what that means, right? That really means that we are to Keep on being filled with the Spirit. That's what the present continuous, keep on being filled again and again and again and again with the Spirit. This isn't a one-time thing, once and done, but a many-time thing. It's a, it's a bit like this balloon. If I blow it up a little, is it filled with air? Yes. But can it be filled again? Yes. And now it's still filled with air but can it still be filled again? Yeah. And you might say, well, Ellis, if I keep on filling it, at some point it's going to burst. Well, yes, that's right. But in our lives, the truth is that we leak. We let sin creep in. We let the the troubles of this world, the, the anxieties of our life begin to choke us down. Those very things that we were bringing to the Lord earlier when Paul was leading us in worship. We let those things come in. And so we need to be filled again. We need more of the Spirit because there's, there's so much more of the Spirit that, that we have access to that so often we barely scratch the surface and we live here struggling along with this tiny, pitiful little amount of the Holy Spirit in our lives, but God longs to give us more. This down payment on our inheritance can keep increasing if only we will be so bold as to ask. I want to invite Pastor Gunnar to come up and I want him to share a little bit about his own journey of how the Holy Spirit has been at work in, in his life, giving him uh, a greater proportion of that down payment. I'm so, kind of out of breath after yeah. even just watching you do that. <laughs> so <laughs> so um, you, when you were a teenager, you went to a 
Pentecostal Assemblies of God Church. They probably would have been like that 95% yes. down payment. Yeah. Yeah, it was a party. Yeah, yeah. a party. Um, and and that, that was painful at times. Mm-hmm. Then, um, and you saw many friends walk away from the faith, actually, yes. as a result of that. And, and then in college, you, it was like the pendu- for you, the pendulum swung the other way. You went to this church where they'd be like, they may not even say 10% of the down payment. Yeah. Um, and it was like, none of that stuff, we don't want to have anything to do with it. Like, the Holy Spirit is just here to help us understand the word and apply salvation to us, and we're done. That's right. So, so you, you have this background, and then I know the last few years since you've been at Chapel Hill, you've been here, what, four, four and a five, half, five years? Five, yeah. um, now, you've been on a bit of a journey Mm-hmm. And um, I, I wonder, were there particular moments in that? Can you tease out some of that journey for us, what, what that's been like? Sure, absolutely. So you're exactly right. That was my experience. And I think this already not yet imagery is really, really helpful, honestly, in understanding my journey and maybe yours as well. Um, but when I came here, I thought, I wonder if there's some middle ground. Mm-hmm. You know, these felt like extremes. Uh, the, the more kind of charismatic uh, expressions of worship were at times chaotic. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when I went and I was in kind of even more frozen chosen than our friends here, um, it, it was like, there's, there's nothing there. So mm-hmm. I went to the word and I wanted to understand what does scripture say about this? And as I studied the Bible and kind of had the space to do so here in our denomination, uh, what I ended up adopting was the position that I call open but discerning open to the surprising work of the Holy Spirit, yet discerning those experiences according to the word, which was written by the Holy Spirit, by the way. The word of God was written by the Holy Spirit. So he's the best discerner. Uh, So I came to that and I said, wow, I actually think that there's more of the Holy Spirit for me to experience. And uh, we started running Alpha again here at Chapel Hill. And I went to an Alpha weekend and I prayed the prayer, come Holy Spirit. And I felt physiologically, you know, even just in my lived physical experience, I felt the presence of the Holy Spirit. And I was, I was a little uh, blown away by that as, as all I did was say, Lord, would you come and fill me afresh with the Holy Spirit? And that was kind of it at that point. I thought, I want to I wanna kind of understand this better. And I continued to pray at home, Lord, according to that verse in Ephesians, would you fill me today with the Holy Spirit? And one day I did that. And it wasn't like the other days before it. Um, I was overcome with the presence of the Lord. Uh, I felt him so, so present in that moment in a powerful way. And uh, this doesn't happen to everyone, but for me, uh, I started to feel uh, my spirit welling up within me. And I started to pray and all I could really get out, like, almost like the prophet Isaiah when he saw God, I'm overwhelmed. Woe is me for I am done. For I've seen the Lord, uh, Lord God of hosts. And I was so overcome with the presence of the Lord, and I began to speak, but they weren't necessarily my words. They were words that I could sense were coming from the Lord. And they were in a language I didn't understand, and so obviously I freaked out a little bit. That was not a natural thing. A little bit. A lot of bit. A lot of bit. Yeah, I am me, right? (laughs) I'm still, I'm a skeptic. I am anxious. I've got a lot of issues. Uh, So I wanted to understand what was going on. And so I called my buddy, Ellis, and I said, what is going on? What happened here? And he said, well, brother, I think you may have spoken in tongues. And he gave me some kind of guidelines on how to go back to the Lord and work that, you know, kind of ask him about that. 
And uh, so that's been my experience with the Holy Spirit. And again, every time I ask him to fill me, uh, sometimes he shows up in, in different ways, but no matter what, he changes me. And he, yeah. I, I mean, I'd love to hear a little bit about, you know, as you already said, not, not everyone has this experience like you had. Not, yeah. not everyone gets given the gift of tongues, but the Holy Spirit is at work in all of our lives, changing us. And, and I know from, from that point forward, you can kind of point to some ways that the Spirit began to change you hmm. in your life um, and, and, and in your ministry as well. What, what are some of those ways that you've seen kind of from that time forward when you started desiring to be filled with the Spirit onwards? What, what are some of the ways the Spirit changed you? Yeah, I was praying about this this morning and just kind of trying to remember what, what that's been like for me and, and continue to be like for me. And I came up with three R's because I'm a preacher like you. So I alliterate everything. Uh, but for me, I, I, I think the first thing was it revealed God to me in a greater way, that he exists, that he's real. And there are times when we really feel and sense that and we need to know. So I was overcome with the transcendence of God, that he's just massive, that he exists, that he cares about me, and he's here. So it revealed God to me. Uh, secondly, it restored me in a powerful way. I, I have battled anxiety and a number of things over the years, and I felt a, a greater sense of relief from that, not fully, completely gone. Uh, I still uh, am grateful for the gifts that God has given me to, to be able to to manage that well, but I felt a restoration and a peace, especially when I prayed to God in a unique way that he had given me. And then finally, I would say it revived me in the sense that it made me realize the great power of God that's on offer to us. And so I've prayed with a greater uh, fervor. Um, when I've prayed for people, I've prayed with a deeper faith and expectancy of what he's going to do, and I've seen people healed, um, and just seen God work in, a, in really marvelous ways. So. That's awesome. So yeah. revealed, restored, and revived. Yeah. Who, who doesn't want those things yeah. in their life? Amen. And, and, and really, um, Gunnar's going to stay up here because he's mm-hmm. going to lead us in prayer in a moment. But, but, but I, I want those things more and more in my life. I don't want to settle for the bare minimum in my faith. As, as C.S. Lewis writes in, in The Last Battle, further up, further in. I wonder if God is calling us to go deeper, to ask for more. You know, I know that for many of us, there's pain in our past that is tied up with, with a hesitancy to ask for more of the Holy Spirit. Maybe like Pastor Gunner, you were a part of a church where that kind of got abused a little bit. Hmm. Maybe you're just afraid of what might happen if you were to wholly surrender yourself to God, if you were to give him access to all parts of your life. Say, God, drive out all the original inhabitants of the land of my body, the land of my spirit. Maybe you're afraid of what might happen. Or maybe you just, this is new. I, I've never heard about this before. This, I, 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 this is amazing. I, I want this. I don't know why, but there are many reasons for different people as to why we haven't asked for more of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And I wonder today if the Holy Spirit wants to give us more. I wonder if he wants to move in a deeper, more profound way in our life. I wonder if he wants to fill us like that balloon, perhaps in a way that we haven't experienced before. So I'd encourage us, church, let's not partially claim our inheritance. But instead, let us plunder the treasure chest 
of heaven. And to that end, we're going to practice what Pastor Gunnar just talked about. We do it at Alpha. We've done it at our Kingdom Come prayer nights. We've done it in our services. It's, it's a prayer the church has prayed for millennia. It's really simple. Come Holy Spirit. And we're going to do it right now, but you can do it at home. You can do it um, in your daily walk with the Lord. You can do it in the moment of you know, where it feels like everything is caving in on you. Come Holy Spirit. This is a prayer you can take with you and you can use in your life all the time. But we're going to do it right now. We're going to invite the Holy Spirit to come. We're going to lay claim to the fullness of the inheritance that we have in and through Jesus Christ. So Pastor Gunnar, where do you lead us? Yeah, I want to lead those of you in a prayer before we do the Come Holy Spirit. Ellis mentioned that there are some of us who maybe haven't even claimed that initial inheritance. We haven't received forgiveness of sin. We haven't been restored in our relationship to God. So if that's you, if you say, you know, I haven't made this faith my own yet. I haven't placed my faith in Jesus yet. Uh, Would you bow your head with me and uh, would you just tell the Lord that you want to receive? You want to receive him into your life? You want to make him the Lord and Savior of your life? That's you. Jesus, we praise you. We thank you that you came to earth, Son of God, and you died in our place on the cross. You paid for all of our sins. You restored our relationship with God. And then you rose up from the dead so that we can live a new life and we can spend eternity with you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. And I, I'm sure that there are some either in this room or online that say, I've never really told the Lord, I believe that and I want that. And so if that's you today, friend, if, if you say, I haven't claimed that inheritance, I haven't claimed the good things that God has for me, would you just pray in your heart along with me, Lord God, I'm sorry for my sin. Would you forgive me because of Jesus' death on the cross? And would you give me new life because Jesus rose again? Would you make me new? And Jesus, I invite you as my Lord and Savior to live your life through me. Thank you, Lord, for your love. In Jesus' name. And then, friends, for those of us who know the Lord Jesus, maybe you just came to know him right now. If you prayed that prayer or something similar for the first time, you are in God's family. And for all of us who are in the family of God, we can receive the inheritance of God because we are co-heirs with Christ. And so, friend, if you want to be filled today, and every day with a greater sense of the presence and power of God to be filled up to all the fullness of God by being filled with the Holy Spirit. Would you just pray aloud very simply those two words, come Holy Spirit. We'll pray that again. Come Holy Spirit. We invite you here to work, and we will wait on you, Lord, to work. Have your way in us. We just take a moment to be quiet, to be still, and to be filled.
Thanks for joining us today at Chapel Hill Church. If you'd like to visit us in person, we're located at 7700 Scancy Avenue, Gig Harbor, Washington, 98335. Our worship services are Sundays at 8.30, 10 o'clock, and 11.30 a.m. We'd love to meet you. To learn more about Chapel Hill and find out about upcoming events, visit us online at chapelhillpc.org.